the whole point is, well, you know, if they can't go somewhere for food, at least some food can come to them. I have spent the last three months like giving food away and I will randomly just drive up to people and say, does anybody need food? I can't, I'd say 50% of the time people look at me and they're like, nah, I'm okay. Get the next guys. Now I walk, I roll my window down and say, does anybody need a hot meal? Everybody jumps. Like people from, you know, like 50 yards down the street yell, food, you got food? It's amazing. It's a totally different beast right now. Welcome to On The Fly, an almost daily interview with San Francisco Bay Area chefs, restaurateurs, and other members of our beloved hospitality industry, from the big names to the tiny neighborhood joints as they fight to adapt and survive during the coronavirus pandemic. I'm your host, Marcia Goliardi, and I've been covering the local food and beverage scene in my Table Hopper e-column for the past 14 years. Today's episode of On the Fly is with chef and restaurateur Joanna Karlinski. Anyone who's lived in San Francisco for more than 20 years remembers her famous meeting house biscuits. Joanna is also known for her big heart. She's a steadfast volunteer and advocate for food runners, a longtime San Francisco organization working to recover and redistribute discarded food to community programs. And at the moment, Joanna has taken to running her own one-woman army effort to bring food directly to unhoused people who are on the streets and in encampments. It is a desperate and heartbreaking scene on the streets of San Francisco right now. Anyone who's driven or walked through the Tenderloin recently or looked down an alley in Soma should be shocked by what they are seeing. I know I am. It is the worst I've ever seen it. People desperately need help and masks and more hand washing stations and sanitizer and space and food. And when you listen to this episode, you'll also learn that what they really need right now is water, which is terrible. In an attempt to help in any way she can, Joanna has been filling containers and bringing water as well as food on her weekly drops. She's been cooking out of her own kitchen and was self-funding this incredible effort until recently when some friends decided to launch a Facebook fundraiser for her, which you'll want to contribute to after you hear this interview. Like many chefs, Joanna lives and loves to feed people. But the Herculean effort she's making to take care of people during this pandemic is beyond heroic, even though she will cringe hearing me say this. As a cancer survivor, she deeply knows the importance of health and the value of our precious lives. She's working so hard and bravely to protect and preserve the lives of people who've been mostly neglected by our city. I hope this episode will help illuminate the dire situation that is happening on our streets and is only escalating. We need to demand more services and help and hotel rooms because we can't allow this to get any worse. Please read the episode notes for ways to help. We can make a difference, each and every one of us. Joanna is shining proof of that. Well, my dear Joanna Karlinski, I am so, so happy to be speaking with a San Francisco culinary OG. <laughs> um, I first met you through your biscuits <laughs> at uh, the meeting house. Oh, geez. That was like maybe like in the late 90s. Am I? Yep. Yeah. The meeting house was 96 to 03. Okay. And yeah, you created um, some mighty fine biscuits that have been, uh, they're, they're in our hall of fame of, of <laughs> culinary items here in the city. And 
I remember when you were at the Elite on yeah. four. Yeah. And then I remember when you opened Sweet Joe's at the Jewish Community Center. Oh, yeah. It's all blur. I don't remember when that was. No, that was a blur. That was 2008 to 11. So through, so a little over three years. And that was when we were able to have some of the finest chili in the city. Absolutely. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then you've been consulting and busy lady traveling the world. Okay. Don't forget the cancer part. I had. Yeah, we need to. Cancer. Yeah, lady. Survivor, okay, it's all good. I'm warrior, fine. It's all good. warrior. I'm totally fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bit, the big C was a big uh, for the big chapter. Um, yep. So glad you're with us, my love. And, yeah, me too. Yeah, and recently we've been reconnected through your work with Food Runners. You've always been such an incredible force of volunteering and generosity in the city. And, and then I just have been hearing in light of our recent events um, about something incredible that you've been doing. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. And I appreciate you joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. I've been hearing that you have been cooking meals out of your own kitchen and bringing them to people in the Tenderloin and other homeless folks and other encampments who are really suffering right now. And uh, you've been a one-woman renegade show on getting the food to the people. Um, and so, yeah, I would love for you to just tell us, you know, how you got started doing this effort and, uh, yeah, just how it's going and how you're even managing this. And Well, I, I'm going to start by saying that it, it didn't start start just now or, or, you know, didn't start that first week of March, second week of March. It started before that because through food runners, I would occasionally get donations that were not appropriate for the recipient that I was instructed to take it to. Food runners has an amazing app and we, we go pick food up and we take it. It's usually an hour. We know exactly where we're going and we drop it off. So occasionally I would take a few things home with me and then I would, you know, like eat dinner with my family and my friends and I'd have leftovers from that. And then I would take whatever I had essentially pilfered and I would make more food. And then the next day I would just take 10 meals out to the homeless people in our, in my neighborhood or, you know, in the Tenderloin or wherever. I mean, this was, you know, 10, 12 portions being a chef and having owned restaurants. I, I know how to buy, uh, you know, to go boxes in bulk. I always have. So it started like that, that I was just doing this because, again, Food Runners goes mostly to shelters and halfway houses and senior housing, low-income housing, and I was going directly to homeless people. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was, you know, obviously it's always okay. The whole goal and the mission of Food Runners is to not waste any food. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, mo the only thing that matters to Mary Risley and anyone involved with food owners is the food gets used, gets yes. eaten. Uh, so when uh, the lockdown kind of was coming on us, we knew this was going to happen. I, of course, like everybody else, started cooking excessively in my house. Mm -hmm. That first week, all I did was cook. Uh, and my, my girlfriend who I'm, well, ex-girlfriend, whatever, uh, <laughs> <I'm living laughs> like, with, it's complicated, but anyway, it's complicated. Yeah. um, and our new roommate, they're both still working full time, but from home. So I didn't have any work to do other than the volunteering, which obviously just also dried up because most of the gigs that most of the volunteering that we do 
is picking up leftover food from the tech companies from their big lunches and then taking it to the shelters or halfway houses or mm -hmm. senior housing where they then distributed it. So that just went, that just dried up in yeah. one week. So here I am at home, like everybody else, cooking ex excessively and finding, okay, nobody wants to eat the same thing the next day if I'm going to cook again. So the next day I would take whatever leftovers we had from the night before, extend it because I'm sorry, but people who are on the street don't need to be eating what I feed, you know, the three of us and my mother-in-law. Uh, and so then I would literally just portion up 10 portions and take it out to people. And as we realized just how long this was going to go on, it became, okay, I could do 20 more. I could do 40 more. And then Justine would just look at me and say, look, you're going to Costco. Here's an extra hundred bucks. Go buy, buy some meat. Go buy some pork. You know how good you are at extending pork. Mm. You know, so I'd buy two pork butts and braise them and made 150 portions of barbecued pork and beans over rice. And I was like, that only costs 40, no, it costs $60. So that's, you know, pretty good. 50 cents a meal, less than. Uh, so then it became a thing where it was, I have something to do. Uh, and so I've been doing it ever since. A couple days a week. Uh, obviously, now that my friends did this little fundraiser for me, and now I actually have other money, not just what I'm begging off of her and taking from my savings, uh, I'll be able to do it a little bit more often. I was so happy to see that post on Facebook that your friends hijacked your Facebook page to yeah. post. It I'm going to be totally honest with you. They did a crappy job because they couldn't <laughs> figure out how to do it. And they had to ask me. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, it's my birthday. I'm drunk on tequila. And you're saying this is the birthday gift we want to give you, but we don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, help me help you. Exactly. Uh, it's like, fine, that's fine, fine. Well, anyway. well, the good news is the word is getting out among the community of, you know, especially industry folks seeing what you're doing and wanting to support it. And that made me very happy uh, because, yeah, we, you know, it's tough when a lot of people who are under tight times themselves want to give. And I know you're, you're giving hard. Um, thank you. So I just have to say, you know, a personal experience I had a week ago, um, went to the Tenderloin. I wanted to go to Mongtu to pick up a little banh mi. And I was just worried about that restaurant because they're not doing delivery. It's takeout only. And they're a small little shop. And right. so they're on Hyde Street. And, you know, I was started driving down Hyde and I just could not believe what I was seeing on the street. And yeah. being a San Franciscan of 25 years, you know, I've seen a lot of things and gone to a lot of neighborhoods and have seen some definite grit. Yep. But this was beyond the pale. Mm -hmm. I, it, it was truly shocking with just how the streets are packed with tents and bodies and garbage and yep. chaos. <laughs> and I did not see people with masks and I mean, no distancing. And it was desperate and shocking and made me panic and um, yeah. Yeah, it's something i've been really trying to process and talking to some people about how to help this community and certainly it's tough for everybody in that neighborhood you know i have friends who live in yep. the tenderloin they don't feel safe going to the grocery store we have you know obviously homeless people that need real significant help we have businesses right. that are already impacted from covid who now like they can't even have you know the few customers who do want to go like it's just so micro macro yeah 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, so that, um, so when I heard that you've been going to the community and really, you know, just being just so involved and directly feeding people, I just, I, I think, I think we need to hear from you, like what you're seeing and what's this experience and. Well, I mean, can I, can I backtrack and yeah. just tell you a yeah. real quick, interesting story on uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve, I was taking care of food runners, taking care of everything because I'm Jewish and everybody else was doing Christmas. <laughs> and I had a pickup from the uh, SF AIDS Foundation, a uh, big, huge annual fundraiser. And they gave me hot food for over a thousand people. I don't know who the hell did their ordering. And next, I have a note in my calendar to call and yell them in November. But of course, that will never happen <laughs> this year. Anyway, um, I literally had over 200 hotel pans of hot food wow. put into my truck and nowhere to take it because it was seven o'clock at night and no, none of the mm. shelters are open. Nobody takes deliveries at seven o'clock at night, certainly not on Christmas Eve. So what I did that night was to literally drive from encampment to encampment and I would get out of my truck and just yell, I need somebody to help mm. fast if you want a hot dinner. And there's always somebody who jumps up and says, I can help. And the people from the, the catering company had actually labeled all the trays. So it was kind of awesome. So I was literally able to <laughs> open my truck and pull out one turkey, one stuffing, one vegetable, one gravy, one this, one that. And I, I it took me four hours to get rid of this food. It was wow. intense. You but are because a Christmas I miracle. That, <laughs> the it, Jewish it, it, girl yeah. who's the Christmas miracle. I love it. Yeah, and the only unfortunate thing was the, uh, I don't know, five gallons of gravy that ended up all over my truck. I... Anyway, right. But that's because I had that experience uh, on Christmas mm. coming into the new year. I was like, yeah, I'll just cook and I'll just cook extra food and just ex or extend our leftovers, as I said, and give it mm -hmm. to homeless people. So now it's just sort of a no brainer. Now, a lot of the encampments move. So I will meet people and then I won't see them again, or I'll meet people, I'll see them for a couple of weeks, but then I won't see them again. And sometimes they pop up again. I try to track some people down that I kind of like because they're nice. Uh, but I would say what you saw in the Tenderloin is literally, it's easily a doubling, if not tripling of the people who are out on the streets right now. Mm. And in that neighborhood, it's particularly bad because the drop, so many of the drop-in shelters had to close. Uh, as soon as anyone tested positive, they've closed everything. Like St. Saint, Saint, uh, Vincent's on 5th and Bryant has 25 people living there. They usually have, I think, 500. They usually do over 1,500 meals a day. And I think they're down to doing like 300 because they had COVID. Mm -hmm. So where are all those people going? Well, they're on the street. Yeah. So I, and as I said, and, and we're all clear on this, the whole point is, well, you know, if they can't go somewhere for food, at least some food can come to them. I have spent the last three months like giving food away and I will randomly just drive up to people and say, does anybody need food? I can't, I'd say 50% of the time people look at me and they're like, nah, I'm okay. Get the next guys. Mm. Not now. Now I walk, I roll my window down and say, does anybody need a hot meal? Everybody jumps. Mm. Like people from, you know, like 50 yards down the street. Yeah. Yell, food? You got food? Mm. It's amazing. It's a totally different beast right now. 
So. And and how are you managing just you know that handoff and that transaction? I mean, I I you know, I know, I, I know I, you're masked I, up and <laughs> yes, I have my mask, I have my gloves, I have a spray bottle of bleach water solution. Uh, mostly, what I tell people is to back the hell up, and I just open my hatchback and I put however many because everything's individually portioned at this mm-hmm. point actually. In this case, it has been for a while. I get compostables, of course. Um, I usually just look around and say, ballpark how many people. If it's, you know, 20 people, then I'll put it in a big box. Or I usually have a you know, few boxes in the truck. Mm-hmm. If it's just four or five people, I just take the individual containers and I just set them down on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And I just say, wait, just do not come close to me. It's safer for you to not come in contact with me. You know, and that's the big thing I think a lot of people don't realize is that mm-hmm. homeless people are so much more likely to die if they do get the virus. Yeah. They are more at risk of coming in contact with me than I am. So I have to tell a lot of people to back up that it's, mm-hmm. it's they're, they're the ones that will suffer. If it had a lovely man today who clearly just wasn't really getting it and he was so thankful and he said, can I give you a hug? And I said, from over there, yes. Aww. Here, put your arms up. Pretend yeah. you're hugging. That's the best it's going to be for a while. And um, so uh, you've been making the rounds. I know you've been also taking care of uh, folks at our encampment on uh, Broderick and Oak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so I understand that they're uh, fired up for your cooking now. Uh, <laughs> they are totally fired up. It was really quite cute. So I had uh, uh, brought it like two weeks ago, had brought some of this barbecued pork and beans over rice. And I had just left it and, you know, said hi. The guys were really thankful. And I came back a week later and I pulled up in the truck and one guy's sitting outside in the sun. And I could just hear him as I'm yelling, anybody need a hot meal? He's going, that's the lady. That's the lady. And like eight guys jumped out of their tents. It's the lady who made the pork and beans. Oh my so god! Was, uh, that made me feel really good. I mean, it's, I I I had a laugh. You know, I, I I'm I. If you're on the street, and particularly some of the people that we don't like to talk about that are junkies, probably really aren't eating a lot of the food that's given to them. And at least I know if I give them food that actually has some flavor, they're going to eat it because they need the calories. Yeah. So. You know, that made me feel good. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, if I can't have customers paying, at least I can have homeless people be happy to see me. Right. And, <laughs> now, and now it's going to be your next legendary dish, your pork and beans. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Famous across the streets. Oh, um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's so... Fantastic. So one thing, though, that really concerned me that you've brought up, and uh, I also just had this happen today where I, I had someone ask me for water. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit, uh, about, about what you're seeing and what's happening and this, uh, water shortage. Yeah. So we, we all kind of forget in the city that access to water is actually should be fine. I mean, it's not that hard to find water. We've got water fountains, we've got government buildings, we've got grocery stores with bathrooms, lots of places people can get water. Not so much right now because there's just no access to buildings. So I was shocked literally overnight to find people saying, uh, I, I don't suppose you have any water. Literally overnight, the day of the lockdown that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some homeless people in the street that I've come in, in contact with that are you know totally together. Maybe they're newly to the street where they have gallon containers. One group actually had uh, three uh, five-gallon containers you know from the water dispensers and i actually just straight up took those back to my house sanitized them refilled them and brought them back because 
I'm crazy. Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, what I've realized is that no, the one of the best things about my friends doing this fundraiser for me is that I don't have to be taking my neighbors recycling and refilling those bottles, which really would be fine for most people because obviously I'd rinse them out. But at this point, if I have the extra money, then at least I can, every time I go to a store, buy as much water as the store will allow me to take and then give water away. And that's something I would actually suggest that anybody who feels like they are getting out of their house sometimes and they want to do something more, put some water in your car. Anytime you see somebody asking for anything, just put a bottle of water outside. You know, you don't have to roll down your window and have contact. You can open your door, set it down on the ground. Like when you're passing the guys asking for change at this point, it is really shocking that all you have to do is think about it. Where, where do people get water? Yeah. They can't get water now. Uh, the, so the, the, apparently the city is getting those pit stop places. Uh, they're trying to get more, more of them out. And at those stations, people can refill their bottles. But it also just means that people have to have it together. And let's face it, a lot of people don't have it together living on the streets. A lot of the people who are newly on the streets have no idea what they're doing. And I've come across quite a few people who clearly just lost a job and lost the access to the room they were sleeping in and are just hoping so I, they're the ones I definitely have the faith that they'll be able to get to the, the, the pit stops to refill. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty shocking that literally everybody asks for water. And I didn't see that before. Mm. Yeah, literally, you know, it just happened to me today when, right. you know, I offered a granola bar to this woman on the street and yes, she just was like, hey, thanks, but do you have any, do you have any water? <laughs> right, I'd rather and have like, water than something dry. Yeah, and I was like, oh, man. So I think that's a great tip for everybody to to have some water jugs in the car. And I mean, I'm... It's, a, it's definitely an easy thing. Like, mm, I know people like yeah. to have always said that, always keep granola bars and give granola bars instead of that spare change for that dollar. But at this point, really, water is more appreciated. Yeah. So if, if anyone out there can do it, they should do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to point out that in the episode notes, we are going to have a link to your fundraiser. So if people yeah. want to help support in that way and also... You know, I just want to put it out there. I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody can some can start donating water to you and some more supplies to you. And yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I have a truck that's that's essentially it's a it's an SUV, but it basically I have I can take enough stuff there for a pickup truck. So I take a lot of stuff. I relay a lot of stuff for food runners, and it's actually really easy for me to go pick up donations uh, because I have my food runners tag. So I'm an essential person. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm allowed to leave the house and feel comfortable doing it. So I'm always happy to go pick up donations. Uh, I actually, I, a funny thing that somebody just mentioned to me earlier that I'm going to have to put on my little fundraising site is that she said, I'm cleaning out my pantry. I have two bags full of groceries. Will you come and get them? Yeah, of course I will. Because I'm not cooking for 2000 people. I'm cooking for a hundred people at a time. So yeah, mm -hmm. I can take your two pound bag of brown rice. Yeah. And then once I have, you know, three two pound bags of rice or whatever, I would actually be able to turn it into something. So I'm even doing things like that. And I am not going, I'm not likely to get a bigger facility. I don't really have that as a goal. Uh, the goal of course for the city is to get homeless people off the streets yeah. and into hotels. Uh, where they will be fed by a bigger organization that can handle bigger quantities. Mm -hmm. I'm literally just doing this to get to the people who are 100% overlooked and that can't 
yeah. seem to get to one of those places yet. But the, the, the goal for the city supervisors is to get people into the hotels mm-hmm. and into housing of some kind. But obviously this transitional period is going to take a while. Yeah. And then again, there's also the people who will not leave the streets. I mean, I, there's a lot, lot to be said for, I don't want to encourage people staying on the streets when they could probably get off, but there are, so there's a group of people that are never going to leave the streets because they've always been there, but they still need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody else is feeding them. There's no, nobody leaving pretentious restaurants that you and I love, taking their leftovers and leaving them for people who are sleeping on the street. So. Yeah. And, and just even navigating the city streets right now, it's, um, right. it poses its own challenges. And yeah, hopefully the city is going to start opening some spaces where people can camp. And, right. you know, this is well, the amount right of, now. So I don't know who, the, I don't know who's actually been donating all the tents, but it's amazing how many brand new tents there are out there. I've been hearing it's uh, the owner of uh, Booksmith in the Heat, I believe. Has oh, been, wow. Yeah, yeah. I saw uh-huh. an article, I think uh-huh. it was in the Chronicle on it. And, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a way to create distancing, too. But yeah, um, yeah. But having yeah. them on the sidewalks is. Yeah, it's, it's is, not, not good. Not yeah. good. Not good at all. So, yeah. Well, and the tender one is particularly bad because all of those alleys. Yeah, where they con- people congregate, and you know, yeah, again, it was like you know, 20, 30 people over the winter, and now there's 70, 80 people. Yeah, the numbers are, I mean, really, I've just it's apocalyptic. I have never seen anything mm-hmm. like this on the streets of San Francisco before. No. It gutted <laughs> me to witness it and to know that you are being such a force of good to look after these people and yeah. to give in your profoundly kind way. <laughs> Um, there is a reason you are sweet, Joe. And exactly. That's you, right. I used to say I'm not so sweet, but now I'm <laughs> beginning to admit, okay, I'm a little bit sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salty sweet. We love you. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, um, and then, you know, from a volunteer standpoint, like, are there extra hands that you need? Like, this is quite an operation. Well, I just want to put that out there, too. I would say that if anybody really wants to do a volunteer job, the first place to go is to Food Runners. As far as in my orbit, I hear World Central Kitchen is going to be opening a place mm-hmm. here as well soon. Yeah. Um, but those would be the bigger things to yeah. do. I'm more inclined to say, hey, if somebody wants to take a ride along with me, you're welcome to do it, but it doesn't take very long. Uh-huh. I can literally get rid of 100 meals in 20 minutes if I actually know where I'm going. Yeah. It doesn't take me more than an hour to distribute food. Because again, I'm, I'm rarely making, I, I don't think I've made more than 100 in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, although now, because I have some money, and I do have a big chest freezer from my biscuit days still. Mm. I am actually able to make things, freeze them, and then use them you know, a week later. So I do have a freezer full. So I'm going to be able to ramp up. I mean, my home refrigerator can only hold so much yeah. fresh food. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to do. But I, I, you know, I would say that's the place to start. But if anybody really wanted to reach out to me and do it with me or spend yeah. a couple hours with me, they can, you know, masked and most yeah. of the time gloved. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm, I'm a chef. I'm fully sanitized all the time. I've been traveling for three years uh, to Costa Rica and back on a road trip. And people laughed at me two years ago. They're not laughing now about the fact that I carry a spray bottle of bleach water with me. Yeah, you're like this. This is how I roll. Um, <laughs> exactly, all the time. So, yeah. Joe, thank <laughs> you. I know I speak for so many. Uh, your story is really 
inspiring and uh, hopeful and it's just a fine I know I know I know you how you hate accolades and having attention yeah. on you so I'm just gonna say that I love you and thank you for this time uh, to, sh to share your story with us and what you're mm -hmm. doing uh, because these people need help so well thank you very much for having me I really appreciate it I I really would have con continued just kind of puttering around doing this willy-nilly asking a few friends for help and uh, it's nice to know that there's other people saying, oh, God, you're going to be doing this for a long time. You're stuck in San Francisco and you don't have a job. Then keep on doing it. And I love my favorite thing I have to say is how many people donated way more money than I would have ever thought they could afford. Who actually, when I said, what are you doing? You can't afford this, said, mm. you don't understand. I'm not going to bars drinking every night now. It's true. And they're like, all of a sudden, I have money. It's kind of bad. It's it's weird. It's a weird time to think yeah. that you know if you are able to work from home, you probably actually have better cash flow than you ever had before. So it's when true. I kind of heard that, I was like, you know what? Okay, let's keep the fundraising going, and I will just keep cooking. Yep, it's fine. You know, so. it's like it's like this round is on me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so. lady. I'm going to keep checking right. in with you, but okay. really, thank you. Right. Thank you for that. And this. thank you so much for donating and thanks so much for sharing me. Yeah. And you're right. I don't particularly look for any attention. I like to do it quietly and I will continue to do it quietly. But thank you very much for the attention you're giving me today. Love and appreciate you. Thanks, hon. Since today's episode is about the crisis escalating in our city and on our streets, I want to dedicate the two top to highlighting an initiative and a foundation who are helping to feed and support our community. First, you may have heard of SF New Deal in earlier episodes of On The Fly. SF New Deal is a collective of 25 volunteers, many who are longtime veterans of the food and hospitality industry, who mobilized on March 23rd to provide immediate relief to small businesses while they await government aid in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. SF New Deal is pairing over 40 restaurant partners with 15 community organizations and city service agencies to cook and distribute meals to our SF neighbors at churches, clinics, public housing sites, SROs, and through outreach to those who are homebound. SF New Deal's COVID-19 relief efforts have delivered over 100,000 meals to residents, and payments to local businesses have surpassed $1 million. These funds are vital for providing immediate financial relief to local businesses, especially because most of them have not received any monies from federal PPP or other loan programs. SF New Deal's model is working, and local and national supporters are stepping up with new donations, allowing SF New Deal to begin meal services to additional community sites. Executive Director Lenore Estrada says, We're serving more than 28,000 meals a week right now, but have demand for 8,000 more. And that's just on our current waiting list. We need to raise additional funds to help our neighbors stay healthy. Their well-being affects all of us. And with shelter-in-place extended through the end of May, many people are in need of stable access to food now more than ever. Please visit sfnewdeal.org. They're a registered 501c3 nonprofit. Any individuals interested in making larger gifts from donor-advised funds, trusts, corporate sponsorship, or employer match programs should please get in touch with them. They also need volunteers to help with meal deliveries, volunteer and fundraising outreach, marketing, and logistics, 
Once again, visit sfnewdeal.org for more. Another organization that could really use more support right now is the St. Anthony Foundation, which is an integral part of the Tenderloin and our city, providing meals, medical care, clothing, shelter, addiction recovery, and hygiene services to San Franciscans since 1950. Like many other city service organizations, their dining room is currently closed for social distancing, but St. Anthony's is still serving meals to go curbside. Last week, they served their 100,000th meal since modifying operations in response to COVID-19. They're serving over 3,200 meals daily, a number that keeps climbing. It's 1,000 meals more per day than they were serving just over a month ago. Thankfully, the city has closed their city block on Golden Gate Avenue to allow for more social distancing and safety. They're not accepting food donations at this time, but would be grateful for monetary donations at stanthonysf.org donate. They're also distributing hygiene kits and emergency shoes and clothing for guests curbside. They're accepting new and gently used clothing donations by appointment only right now. Please access the link in our episode notes to see their specific needs, especially men's clothing. Thank you for supporting these organizations who are working so hard to look after so many people in need right now. Thank you so much for listening to On The Fly. Please subscribe to On The Fly by Table Hopper in Apple Podcasts, and it really helps if you can rate and review it. Once again, I'm Marcia Galliardi, and you can subscribe to my newsletter at tablehopper.com and keep up with daily updates on my Instagram stories. I'm at tablehopper across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please take good care of yourself and others. Thank you. <laughs>